morning and welcome to the Vine Community Church. It is great to have you with us today. Um, during the service we'll be taking communion. So in a moment we're going to go to a little video. Use that time if you can to go and find the things you need for communion. Uh, it needs to be some juice, it needs to be some bread, it doesn't have to be fancy, it can be a slice. Uh, it's not about the shape or, or of the bread or whether it's from Waitrose or Aldi. What it's about is about the act of remembrance. So go and do that and then we'll come back and we'll worship together. Throughout lockdown, some of us have been putting lights in our windows to represent the light in the darkness, to be the physical light in our community, to be the hope of our neighbours. Why not join us by putting a light in your window at 7.30 each night? But don't stop there. Make sure people know why that light's going in your window. Talk to your friends, talk to your neighbours. Take photos and post them on social media. Use the hashtag, light up for lockdown. Why not share a verse or something inspirational or offer to help those in need? Get them to pop round and ask. going to be taking communion, the Lord's Supper, and we are also going to hear from a fantastic speaker, uh, Chris Fleetcroft, a good friend of ours from the Revive Network, who's uh, got a really challenging but relevant and powerful message for us. Let's pray and let's worship together. Can I encourage you when we worship to take an attitude of worship? Put your body in the right sort of pose. If that means standing up, stand up. If that means kneeling, kneel. Do whatever is right for you to connect with our God. Let's pray together. 
Holy Spirit, we ask you to be with us wherever we are. We know that you've promised to be with us at all times. But can you make yourself apparent to us at this time? Help us to focus on you, Lord. Help us to know that you are God and that you are everlasting. Lord, we choose to worship you. We choose to lift you on high. It's great to worship together. Before we um, hear Chris Fleekhoff bring us this message, uh, we're going to take time to still ourselves and to take communion together. Uh, I hope you had a chance to go and get uh, some things for communion. Um, it's good that we remember the Lord's Supper. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you will have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. It's good that we remember what Jesus did for us on that cross. It's good that we remember the suffering, the sacrifice, but also the victory and the life that we have in that. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he celebrated Passover with his disciples. Every year, the Israelites celebrated Passover to remember when God miraculously rescued them from Egypt by protecting them with the lamb's blood on their doorposts and nourishing them with lamb's meat. Jesus revealed that there is more to Passover than they had always celebrated. Passover pointed to what he did on that cross his blood covers and protects us, saving us from death. His body was given for us, and he will sustain and nourish us during our life's journey. Jesus offered himself so that we have life and forgiveness. We remember and celebrate this reality when we take this meal. Some churches call it the Lord's Supper, others communion, others Eucharist. But across the churches of the world, believers will be drinking wine or juice and eating bread together. In this meal, we refocus our relationship with Jesus and with one another. And that's especially important at these times when we can't meet together physically. When we take this meal, we join together symbolically and spiritually with believers, not just in these villages, but across the world. In this meal, we remember Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us. The Lord Jesus took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it.
and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. In communion, we slow down to examine ourselves. It says in 1 Corinthians, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. We don't examine ourselves to see whether we've been through baptism or, or, or confirmation or, or whether we've transgressed in the past, whether we're divorced or married, whether we're single or in a relationship. Those are not barriers to taking this meal. We examine ourselves so we may confess our sins, so we may ask God to forgive us, and so that we can be reconciled with him as and before we take this meal. In communion we declare that Jesus is coming back. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. In communion, we bring our sin, fear and weakness to Jesus. He blots out our sin, he comforts us and he strengthens us. Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Let's still ourselves. Let's take some time. And when we're ready, let's take the bread and the wine as we share communion together.
It's my pleasure to introduce Chris Fleetcroft, virtually of course, who's got a fantastic message. Um, I encourage you to listen to this and to really, really store it in your heart. It's both a challenging message, but also a powerful one. I want to share with you from Luke 12 today, from verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? So there's this guy who comes to Jesus because he's got a grievance, possibly a legitimate grievance, if you, if you know the, the history of, of inheritance around there, but he's got a grievance against his brother and he comes to Jesus for help. And Jesus says to him, it's none of my business. What has that got to do with me? Who has made me a judge? Let's apply that to, to, to our lives. Say that you are there praying to Jesus because your boss is not giving you the amount of money that you deserve in your job, or you, at least you think you deserve. Or maybe he's not giving you the recognition that you deserve for your role. And you're there with in prayer, talking to Jesus about your grievance, about how you have been wronged. And Jesus says, what has that got to do with me? Or maybe you've uh, got into some altercation with, with a stranger or a friend or a neighbor, or maybe even someone in the church. And you're there because it is, it's really wrecked you and mucked you up inside and, and you feel really hurt and, and attacked by this. And so you're there in prayer and you find yourself in the Psalms saying, vindicate me like David does. Vindicate, oh Lord, and, and, and destroy my enemies. And as you put it into prayer and you say it to Jesus, you get heaven resounding back to you saying, not eager, I'm not willing to hear these details. Why, when you've gone to heaven with a grievance, why did this man, when he comes to Jesus, Jesus pretty much just says to him, talk to the hand because the face is not listening. This doesn't sound like the gospel of Jesus, which I have understood, where Jesus is loving and cares about everything to do with me. But this is the Jesus that is in the gospel. But to understand why he says what he has, we have to understand what the good news that Jesus brought was. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world may be saved through him. How does Jesus save the world? How did Jesus save you? He took your burdens. He took your shame. He was pierced for your transgressions. He was weighed down by your sorrows. And he went on the cross to pay the debt that you could not pay. Before you even said yes to him, he paid that debt. See, when Jesus says, talk to the hand, he's saying, talk to the nail pierced hand. What is the good news? We have all sinned. We all deserve hell. But Jesus 
in his mercy, in his compassion, has paid the price for us so that we get eternal life. We get something we don't deserve. Our debt is cancelled. We are forgiven. And then what does Jesus say to those who get this forgiveness? He says, come and follow me. Take up your cross. Follow me. Do what I do. What does that look like? What does it look like to pick up your cross and follow him? Well, let me read something else that Jesus said, because I believe this is what it looks like. Matthew 5 verse 38 says this. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have your coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks of you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of father who is in heaven. How do you access your inheritance as a son? You turn the other cheek. When someone persecutes you, you pray for them, you bless, you bless them. You don't look for vindication. You don't look for revenge. Instead, you turn around and you bless them and you bless them. You see, we have been given forgiveness for our sins, even though we didn't deserve it. And what does God expect of us? But we do the same for others. What do you mean by that? Well, let's just go on a few verses into Matthew 6. And we've got the Lord's Prayer. And then you've got verse 14. It says this, For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Your forgiveness for your own sins is dependent on you forgiving others for their sins. I don't get what I deserve. God expects me not to want others to get what they deserve. When they've wronged me, I don't want vengeance. I don't even want an eye for an eye. I want blessing on their life. It is a real shift in thinking. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says this, this is faith, that you have to believe that God exists and you have to believe that he rewards those who seek him. How do you seek him? You do what I've just said in, in Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. You turn the other cheek, you pray and you bless. Why? Because I'm seeking God, because I'm doing what he said. That's me putting my faith into action. And because I'm putting my faith into action, I believe he will reward me. So I may be out of pocket I may be due money. It doesn't mean that I have to go for it. And I say, I, I want my rightful due. I know God is my provider. And I trust in him to provide. And I know that if I trust in him, I will be more well off than if I get what I deserve. You see, if I judge someone, I'll be judged by that same measure. So what does that mean to judge someone? So if I think... I should get this because you have done that. Then I'll be judged by that measure. 
But if I forgive, if I forgive, I will not be judged. Same thing. If you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18, a parable. And he says that there was this servant and this servant owed his king a lot of money. And the king called his servant in and said, I, I need you to repay your debt to me. And the servant couldn't. He didn't have the money. So the king said, I'm going to sell you and your family into slavery. Well, the servant was distraught. So he dropped to his knees and he begged the king not to do what he was going to do. The king had mercy upon his servant. He says, I forgive you the debt. It is cancelled. The father, that, sorry, the servant went home and on his way home, he found a friend who owed him some money, a smaller amount of money. And he said to his friend, pay me the money you owe me. His friend couldn't pay. What did the servant do? Even though his friend begged him for forgiveness of the debt, the servant threw him into jail. The king heard of this. And he called his servant back into court and he said to him, why have you thrown your friend into jail for paying this small debt when I have forgiven you this big debt? I will now cast you out where there'll be gnashing of teeth and tribulation. We know he's talking about hell. Jesus said that is how the heavenly father operates. If you forgive others, your sins will be forgiven. God forgives your sin, but he expects you to forgive others. You've got this massive debt. You deserve eternal damnation. Jesus expects you, the Father expects you, to forgive others. In historical documents about the Holy Land and the Roman Empire, it is very apparent that the Roman army despised the Jewish people. See, when Rome went into an area, it wasn't just about military conquest. It was a change of culture. It's where the word apostle comes from. The word apostle is a general which came to make a town, a city feel like Rome, to act like Rome. So that whatever you win in the Roman Empire, it would feel like being at home. The same values, the same rules, the same gods. The Jewish people, though, refused to bow down. They had an identity so strong in being who they were, they refused to change and become Roman. And they just would not give up. They were a people who just didn't know where they were defeated. And so there was guerrilla warfare the whole time. If you were a soldier in, in Judea, you expected to be attacked. It wasn't a great place to be. But although the Romans despised the Jewish people, they also had a respect because these Jewish people would just not lie down they had the respect for an opponent because of the, the tenacity in which the Jewish people would fight back. That was not the same reputation when you read the historical accounts that the Roman army had of the Christians. The Romans would go and steal stuff. They would go and kick down doors. They would go and uh, they would hit, hit and steal stuff from, from, from Christians. And the response of the Christians was not to fight back. Instead, it was to stand there and go, I forgive you. Your sins are not held against you. You slap my face, I'll let you slap the other. I'm not going to fight back. Instead, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to 
I'm not going to persecute you and I'm going to forgive you so that your sins are not on any account. If the early church were able to practice Matthew 5 in the midst of the oppression of the Roman army at that time, maybe that's one of the keys to why the gospel expanded and exploded across the, the known world at that time. Jesus said this, if you love, when you love one another, then people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Maybe it's also like this, if you love and pray for those who persecute you, you pray and love those who you've got a rightful grievance against, but instead of getting what you deserve, you pray for them, you bless them. And rather than calling down vengeance from heaven, you pray down blessing and peace on their lives. When Jesus says, talk to the hand, he's saying, talk to the nail pierced hand. Do you want justice? Or do you want forgiveness and mercy? How you want judge others is how you will be judged. I don't know about you, but I want the forgiveness and mercy. It's a beautiful gospel of good news. So let's return right back to that guy who felt he had a grievance against his brother. God supplies all our needs. We don't have to tell him how to do it. We don't have to tell him that he needs to take justice and vengeance or rule on something on, on where we feel that we are not getting enough money or we're being aggrieved. He will provide our needs. And if we trust in him, by trusting in the word, by trusting in forgiving others, he will mightily reward us and sustain us. Let's just have a little prayer. Father, we are sorry for all the times that we have held grudges against others and where we have taken vengeance against people. Lord, thank you that you forgave me for all my sin, for everything that I've done wrong. And Lord, right here, I forgive all those who have sinned against me. Where I am holding a grudge, where I'm holding a grievance, Father, please open my eyes so that I can see and repent. Lord, I trust in you. And if you tell me to turn the other cheek, I will. If you tell me to bless as you do those who persecute me, then I say right now, all those who persecute me, Lord, will you bless them? Will you save them? Will you redeem them? Will you give them forgiveness and not have their sins against me held against them? Lord, I pray that the church would be one of forgiveness and love and mercy and kindness. And as we are being made into your image, Jesus, Father, I pray that we are made, as it says there in Matthew 5, into your image, people who love, people who don't hold grievances, but people who are merciful. Jesus, teach us.
to be more like you. Amen. It's great to hear from Chris. And you can't blame me. I did warn you that that was going to be a challenging message. Tonight, we've got prayer. It's good that we continue to pray for our community, for our nation, for our world. And we pray in boldness that, uh, that this virus situation will be turned around and that Jesus' kingdom will come and we will see revival. Um, if you believe in those things, then, then join us tonight. Um, we also this week continue with uh, Alpha. We had a good start to that. If you missed that and you've got a friend who wants to join, it's not too late. They can come and join the Alpha course at any time through it. I really recommend that to you. And finally, let's try and be the light in the world. Not just physically by putting lights in our windows, but let's do it in the way we live, in the way we operate with those that we love, and also, as Chris pointed out, those that are hard to love. Let's pray. Father God, I just pray a blessing over everybody watching this video. I pray simply that you will reveal yourself to them more and more, and to me. And that this week will be a week where we get to both talk about you, but experience your presence in a new way. Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, guys.